Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert is Hannah Kane, CEO of ALOM. Hannah, I'm so happy to have you here today. It's been a few months since we've spoken. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Always good to catch up on what's going on. Well, so 2024, what I want to start off our conversation talking about is what trends are you watching coming over the horizon for 2024? Well, a couple of them are different. I think anybody in supply chain is watching geopolitics. The war that's going on now uh, in Israel and the Gaza Strip, that really took everybody by surprise. And so far, the direct impact on supply chains is relatively small, but we have seen more and more surprises come up, Ukraine, Russia, obviously, and a number of other conflicts that are impacting the entire supply chain. And add to that the trade wars. A lot of people are thinking that the trade war with China could get worse, which would also have a strong impact on supply chains. The other thing that we have seen in 2023 that surprised me was the level of labor conflicts that has been on U.S. soil. One of the things we've got to see is how far does that extend into 2024? Difficult to say whether that type of level of conflicts are continuing. We've seen it also in the healthcare industry where there's been some really big strikes, uh, also driving up costs. And that is partially caused by inflation. And of course, inflation is another area that all supply chain professionals need to watch as we get into 2024. It's got wide-ranging impacts. We have seen the investment in capital equipment and automation go down in 2023 because of the high interest rates. But it also has impact on things like warehousing, warehousing capacity, on cash tied up in inventory, and of course, for everybody working in supply chain. It's driving up cost of supply chains, but it's also putting the workers in the supply chain in a bad situation because things are simply getting so expensive that they cannot afford them. And there's talk about the inflation coming down in 2024. I certainly believe that, but that that is probably in the second half of the year. So I think we are going to see a lot of pressure in that area as well. There are other things I'm seeing for 2024, but those are probably some of the key areas that I'm following really closely. I'm glad that you brought up the labor disputes and the labor conflict. When you talk about the pressures that the labor conflict has put on the OEMs and then suppliers, are you anticipating that it's going to send suppliers out of business? 
It really depends on what's happening with the economy. Many economists think that we are going to have a soft landing. The economy is overall not going to get worse. We're going to be able to pull out of this situation without going into a recession. Other economists say they think that there's going to be a recession coming in 2024. Anytime there's a downturn in the economy or even a softness, cash becomes really important. So for the companies that go into these situations with a decent cash flow and also a decent amount of cash in the bank, survival becomes much easier. The companies that come into a situation or to this challenging environment with kind of either no cash or maybe even negative cash, it becomes difficult to, to survive. So the companies that come in from a weak start position into a challenging business environment just may not survive. Now, the strike makes it much worse, of course, because then the cash flow is really disrupted. So, yeah, if this is prolonged and we go into a real recession, then I would not be surprised to see a fair amount of the automotive suppliers go out of business. One of the things that I was thinking when you were talking earlier about the geopolitical tensions and the conflict between Ukraine and Russia that has had some impact on the supply chain, but it certainly hasn't had the same impact that the trade war with China or a conflict between China and Taiwan would have. When we talk about nearshoring and the globalization of supply chain, are we looking at a a situation where, what's the opposite of globalization? I think in many ways, near-sourcing is uh, the opposite of globalization. But let's just unpack a little bit what you were talking about here, because the different regions have different impact on the supply chain. And so when we say globalization of supply chain, we really talk about how interconnected everything is. And I think many of us have not felt so impacted in the U.S. from the Ukrainian war. But in Europe, it's a totally different situation. I think the biggest problem that we have seen until now is really the impact on global food supply. When you look at the Ukrainian war, you're not thinking so much about that impact. But reality is that in Europe and Africa and a number of poor locations, the food price has been pushed up so much that people really cannot afford to buy food. And we see it even in the U.S., the increase in food costs, partially driven by labor, but also driven by fertilizer shortages and other issues that are directly or indirectly related to the war. One of the impacts in Israel right now is there's a lot of technology innovation going on in Israel, and many companies have had to put that to a stop, but most talented programmers and developers have been pulled in to the reserves in the Israeli military. There are impacts that may not be immediate, but eventually they will impact areas of the supply chain. This is happening all over the globe for any given product. It doesn't take a lot for that complex network to be disrupted. There are many good aspects of globalization. The problem is it's become so complex that it's 
very hard to manage and our systems cannot really manage it. And then as we are looking at how do we near source, we find out that, yes, we can near source the next tier down, but then there are all the other tiers. There are all the suppliers to the suppliers to the people who started out with mining the different products or uh, growing the different products or the very basic part of the supply chain. In terms of technologies that you're keeping your eye on for 2024, what would be at the top of the list? I cannot really talk about AI because I do think for supply chain, it's very early days to say that AI will come in and make a major difference in supply chains. The real advantage of AI, which in my opinion is that we take all this much unstructured data and dynamic data we have and we normalize it and we get able to act on it. And when I say unstructured and dynamic data, I am looking at things like, okay, so there's a Ukrainian war or all of a sudden there's an Israeli war or all of a sudden there's a natural disaster. And having that ability to right away say, okay, what does that mean? What should we redo? Give us total visibility over that. Picking up the changes. Oh, now the problem is resolved. The problem has gotten worse or whatever the situation is. Coming up with strategies remediating that, that's where AI really can help. The other area that we are all looking at that's the bane of supply chain is demand forecasting. We don't know what the demand is going to be. And the more we can get these soft buying signals and put them into a stream where we can understand what is likely to happen and have that be very dynamic where we get information all the time and we make adjustments, the better we are off. And the problem is if you run a manufacturing plant and you simply don't know what is going to be needed in a month or two weeks, you've just got to do your very best and you produce it. The closer we can get to what the actual purchase will be, the better. So I definitely needs to be a thing that everybody's thinking about playing with. AI, as I mentioned, can help with that entire interconnectivity. This is a real important area. Then I'm hopeful that we'll get even better cybersecurity tools. Cybersecurity has been a real issue in supply chains. All companies are under siege. We can educate our staff. We can take all kinds of preventive measures. Reality is you cannot win the war 100% of the time. In a physical war, maybe you lose a battle, maybe here or there, but overall you can win the war. In the cybersecurity war, you cannot lose any battle. And that is really a very hard situation to put companies and nations in. And my real hope for the world is that we find a way to deal with this as a global issue and we get better tools, we get better collaboration between authorities and private sector and certainly technologies to be able to manage that. And the third area is, of course, that as sustainability becomes more and more important, we need better tools to be able to measure progress. And there are some really nice platforms out there that allows us to measure what is right now a very complex 
system of suppliers, right? So that entire system of global suppliers uh, all the way down to the mining needs to be tracked, both seen from a sustainability standpoint, but also from a social and governance standpoint. Along those lines, I also think that the entire regulatory environment makes it necessary that we get some better technology tools to be able to deal with the different legislation in different locations. And whether it's uh, for uh, technology that's built into the product, compliance uh, regulations for batteries or hazmat or food or fresh product or a number of different areas. And right now that's done entirely or almost entirely manually. And I, I believe that's totally unsustainable. I think it's, by the way, another obvious area for AI to come in. But in the meantime, I think I expect that we will see some really robust systems in that area as well. So we've talked about AI, which was one of my questions going into the podcast. I was very curious about it. I know that you have written a blog about that. Listeners, make sure and check out that blog on the ALOM website at ALOM.com. I was doing some math in my head. And I was realizing that if you go to all of 2020, all of 2021, all of 2022, all of 2023, we're going into the fifth year since the pandemic. And it feels like 2020 was forever ago. I am curious, what is your perspective on the recovery from things that happened over the past four years going into the fifth year? Have you seen like any really big improvements or changes, or do you still think that we're in this recovery? And then like, what has been the most surprising thing to you over this period as we get into the fifth year of COVID being around? So if we look at the premise that supply chains were normal before COVID hit, before the pandemic hit. I think that's a fallacy. Supply chains were not normal. We had a lot of issues going already because of the complexity and the globalizations and already somewhat of a burdensome regulatory situation before COVID hit. Then what happened was we saw an outlier with COVID and the pandemic and the shortages and the entire infrastructure falling apart in the initial stages of the pandemic. And then we are now back again on the increasing track of supply chain complexity and disruptions and things like that, that's really in a trend line that started before COVID. So I'm more seeing COVID as an outlier, the pandemic and all the shortages and things as an outlier. We have a long trend line and it's upward rising at a fairly rapid rate. What I have been seeing since the pandemic ended was that the rate of change and complexity is going up tremendously. For instance, what we are seeing now in the U.S. is that individual states are starting to do environmental legislation that impacts corporations. And so that, of course, trickles down in the supply chain. So we've always had, if you had a plant in a certain place, of course, that was regulated by the state, etc. Now it's your entire supply chain and reporting from the supply chain that's being regulated on a state basis, not on a federal basis. 
in addition to being regulated on a federal basis. And then you've got individual countries, for instance, in Europe, and you've got the EU legislation. And so you've got, if you're selling globally, you've got a hodgepodge of different legislation. Take a thing like privacy legislation, which you're impacted by if you, let's say you have a device with some traceability inside. Let's say you have a device that tracks your health status or things like that. There's a lot of privacy involved in that. The legislation for that is totally different. And then you've got that interconnectivity between different parts of the supply chain. So once you look at it, you've got rare materials that are only a certain part of the world, and then there might be a conflict, and now you're impacted by that. And you've got many more weather events and very disruptive things like hurricanes and the Panama Canal running short of water, and now they can only get certain ships through there, and a number of these different type of things. And so you're seeing that trend line of the complexity going up. And until we got uh, we get better tools to help us with that, supply chain professionals simply need to watch it and uh, finding way to de-risk their supply chain and as far as possible and then deal with the risk that they didn't anticipate that's coming, that's adding to it. So I see that this is a trend line that with an increasing steepness to it, and I'm worried about when technology will finally catch up and be able to help us deal with that. I also think during the pandemic that the companies that did well had a great supply chain visibility, and really great people. And I think that's going to help the same companies excel uh, over the next years until technology catches up. What I learned about uh, what is going on at Elam is that not only did our investment in systematic visibility, both internally and externally, help us tremendously, but also the high-level staff that we have hired over the years and trained over the years because we really want to keep the very best. And that determination that we were never going to let our customers down. And that's what I'm seeing day in and day out, people going the extra mile, and that makes me very proud of the team. Then, of course, collaboration. I think collaboration both between customers and this complex ecosystem. And many of our customers have some vendors and we buy other products and we have stakeholders within or outside our customers that we are tying together electronically or providing solutions for. And that being able to collaborate and have a collaborative company culture internally and externally was a tremendous competitive advantage for Elam. And again, one that we've been nurturing, uh, the management team really has been very focused on making sure that everybody has the tools to be able to collaborate and the vision to how we can make everybody succeed in the ecosystem. So managing the company throughout the pandemic was tremendously hard, but enormously gratifying, probably one of the most gratifying things I've done in my career. 
But I'm very excited about the future. I'm very excited about the technologies coming out and the changes and shifts that we are seeing coming in the technology space and in the supply chain space. I'm very much in favor of the near sourcing and really look forward to seeing that being implemented more. So lots of good stuff to come. And I'm just really tickled to be facing this future next year and beyond with the great staff at Alum and with our fabulous customers and suppliers who have been instrumental in getting us through the supply chain crisis. Hannah, I know we've barely scratched the surface on the things that you keep an eye on. The past 20 minutes have just flown by. It's always such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I always learn so much, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. And I look forward to chatting with you again in 2024. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to ALOM.com. That's A-L-O-M.com.